if you found us here, you're probably a little like me. You think it's time to rethink the way that we do business. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and this is the Client Experience Revolution. This podcast is for entrepreneurs and will give you all the tips, tricks, and tools that other badass business leaders are using to serve their community, their clients, while still taking care of themselves. So let's dive into this week's episode, have a little fun, and learn along the way too. This episode is brought to you by Link Consulting Solutions. Are you a badass entrepreneur looking to up-level your capacity, maybe supercharge your clarity and reconnect like a rock star? We'll head on over to linkcs.com to find out how we can accomplish this and more. We have virtual assistant matchmaking as well as clarity and client re-engagement consulting. That's L-I-N-Q-C-S.com. See you there. Hello, and welcome to the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I am thrilled to have Deb Lewis with us here today. Deb is a mental toughness expert, which means that she can handle extreme stress, even on the front lines, and she also teaches other people how to handle extreme stress as well. Welcome to the show. Aloha, Raya. How are you? (laughs) I'm excited to have you here. What people don't know is behind the scenes, we have had nothing but technical difficulties. It was the perfect segue to this podcast, but we made it through and with our grittiness, we made this happen. So we had fun doing it because it was (laughs) and we problem solved and we we did. We figured it out. So welcome, welcome. Well, I want people to hear a little bit about your background and how you came into the expertise realm of mental toughness. So tell us about who you are, how you got here, and who you serve. Okay. I am someone who took an unconventional path where some of your listeners probably did. Instead of the easy path and just kind of doing what everybody said, I was not like that. And so I went to West Point in the first class with women, and I knew it would be tough physically. I just didn't understand that it was a social revolution I was walking into. And many times it was very subtle. So it, I hit the wall pretty much the second day, not so much the first day. You can anticipate when you're going, when you pick a tough path, but sometimes you just get what I call sucker punched. It really was a love punch, <laughs> but it was allowed me to get through a day where Again, your readers, a few of them might like to run a lot. I was not a runner when I went to West Point, but that is something they really focused on and could be a stark difference between men and women. So making the run was important. I practiced a mile and a half before I got there. And the first run was two miles. Oh, my gosh. And that is almost nine football fields more. (laughs) Wow. And, and it's in, you know, these, the awful back then, we didn't have these beautiful running shoes you have today. They were these Converse, Converse, great name, but sneakers with, they were, um, they were basketball court, all purpose sneakers, suede, in fact. Oh my gosh. And my, uh, the whole thing is, is one of the women with me, she dropped out immediately, which then of course raises your stress levels. And then what I did next after seeing another woman in our group. I'll call the gazelle. Um, I figured out not because of physical capacity, but because of my mental capacity, I figured out how to do it. And it changed my time. It changed my moment in that 
in that moment to allow me to finish the run. Not not because I prepared adequately, because <laughs> I didn't, but I finished every run that first summer and it made a difference by how I was perceived. If you can do certain things and people perceive you well. So I kind of learned, hey, there's something with this stress thing. I can't say that I understood it that way, but I knew that if I focused in a particular way, I could do more than I ever thought possible. And that led me to a 34-year military career. From that day on, boom, 34 years. I didn't think I'd do that. But I ended up being able to do amazing things, including when I graduated, they said women shouldn't be in combat, women shouldn't be in the military, all the horrible things that could be said. I went into another social revolution when they integrated women to the full army. That happened right during my time, which was another steep learning curve. And I approached it similarly and was able to work through it. And in the end, I led in combat. I led a $2.1 billion construction program in the heat of battle in combat. And everything I'd learned up until then, so for anyone listening who's really getting beaten up and ready to lose hope, all I can tell you is that if you take those experiences and use it to make you mentally tough, you will be able to accomplish things you never even dreamed of. And so that's kind of why I do it. And the community I serve, I've been helping people one-on-one, thousands over the years. And right now, we're in a time where because of social distancing, we can link, like you and I can link today on the internet. And I've been able to do webinars. I've been able to coach individuals. I've been able to really be there for them And before that, I was in my community. I'm in about six nonprofits, and I'm getting ready to take over leadership of our state for veterans of foreign wars. Those are are other veterans who've been to combat, and they need a lot of help. But they also have a lot of talent. So my goal is to really bring that out in in everyone. I love that. And I forgot to say, my real focus started because I'm a woman. Yes. I find that the women in my audience, whether it's young women, like I helped a young woman going to West Point, and she was considered the woman with the best attitude in the summer training, that same training where I hit the wall, she excelled. And then today they had, they have over 5,000 women have graduated from West Point. So got to start somewhere. You can't, you can complain about stuff. I mean, that's fine, but you're wasting your time because it's not going to be productive. And that's helping other people understand what mental toughness is and giving me this time. Thank you for the great honor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I think what is really, um, what really stands out aside from, I mean, so many things, but is not being afraid to be the only or to be the first or to be one of the few to really um, be gritty enough to know that you may fail or you may um, you may fall down, you know, like maybe, you know, you've never you've not practiced the two mile run. You've practiced the one and a half and you probably had more comfortable shoes when you practiced before. And so, you know, pushing yourself in a way that is not unhealthy, that is healthy, you're pushing yourself in a way that you did not know that you could flex that far and not being afraid of the unknown and just seeing what happens and what unfolds. And I love that about your story. Well, even I take a look at you. 
the scariest thing apparently for people it's close to death you know fearing death is talking in front of someone yes. else it's you look what you're doing and i know the many obstacles you've overcome in your life but your willingness to put yourself out there and be yourself that is a powerful powerful energy and it can be used for such good. And that's what you're doing. You're bringing people on to tell their story in hopes that someone will get at least one thing. If they get one thing out of what we're doing and it's life-changing. Yes. And and I, I'm so happy to have been, ex- been allowed to experience that with the people I've worked with. Um, it's just, it just lifts you up and gives you that hope for the future and knowing, hey, I haven't even come close to unleashing my potential. What else do I want to create? What else do I want to do with my life? I love that. I have been making a practice lately for stress relief, but also just to be more present with myself of meditation in different ways. So like a guided meditation. And then also I've never been um, patient enough to do just breath, like just quietness. You know, I always like (laughs) I've had difficulty because my brain buzzes around and then I've just started to embrace the buzz and say like, okay, well, what, what am I? So I'm, if I'm fighting it so much, why don't I just be quiet and listen to what my brain is saying to me? And, um, and what I've been asking myself, when you say that, that's a powerful tool. Just remember that like with me in combat, Yes. I don't have that time. People who have kids, you don't have, you don't, you don't have that. You have got to be able to deal. So that's where I operate. Yes. Yes, I do that. But that might be before I go to bed, before I close my eyes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, but the time, but some people think they have to do it in the moment when they're in the middle of it. No. And, Absolutely and not. It, it may not work. I've never found it to work. And plus, it takes time that yes. I may not have at that moment. So thank you for sharing. Yes. And for me, too. I mean, I am like, you'll. if you ask my family, I'm like, get up and go from dusk until dawn and or whatever the phrase is. But from the ass crack of dawn, I am up and then I am the last person in bed. And um, And so for me, usually it is either like when I'm delaying getting out of bed for those couple minutes, or it's when I'm trying to fall asleep and I'm not falling asleep. And then I'm like, okay, well then, you know, some reflection time, but there, but what you're saying too, and is so important to say, you know, to highlight is that there's a reactionary time where you have to be able to absorb what's happening, think critically and act. And as an entrepreneur, we need to um, we need to be in a reactionary. What am I trying to say? We can't be defensive in the sense that we can't sit on things. There's the word I use: respond. We need yes. to, to respond. I want to add one thing to, to your equation: is I understand that mode, and I've lived in that mode that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. What if mental toughness? gave you the ability that you wake up in the morning with a smile on your face. I love that. That you're energized with what's going to happen for the day, that you're living on endorphins, not adrenaline. There's a huge difference. Mental toughness right. gives you endorphins because it's a challenge. It's not adversity. It's a challenge. Oh, like we had. Yes. <laughs> we had everything shut down. Sound. We were perfect. Then it shuts down. That's life. That yes. happens in life. 
And you know the people you've met, and maybe it's been us at times when it really mattered, where we've just exploded or imploded. You know, we just yes. were so mad at ourselves for something we think we did. There was nothing. Apparently, Zoom today is not cooperating well. Right. Not just Zoom, it's other places. But yeah, we have that thing. It's all about us. Yes. When it really, these things that are happening, it's life. And imagine right. that full day and that you know your priorities so that your family feels loved and cared for, not that they're a second. Right. Not that they're an afterthought. Right. I, I will get into ways of how to approach it. But yes. these changes in feelings that are so uplifting when you actually have the skills. And why I say up armor, you up armor with mental toughness. Mm. And you can see the shield. Yes. <laughs> you have the shield here. The shield is about if if life is coming at you like flaming arrows, and you don't you haven't developed a shield in your life to protect you from that energy, that negative energy, you're going down. Right. And that's why we have a mental health crisis. I truly believe that we have not developed those skills and the t- and grab the tools that we need. Heck, we watch it in all the superhero things, Wonder Woman, and all the other things. Right. The thing we think. I used to think I can stand here and take it <laughs> when someone would be yelling. I take. I think I take the award. There may be someone listening. I would love them to chime in. Have you been yelled at more than ten thousand times? Because I know I. Have. <laughs> yeah. I it's probably because I keep adding it because I can trigger that in people who are in a, in a, not a good place. And they, and they just want to, they don't know how to express themselves. They're not skilled in stress. And so they, they uh, are, are damaging themselves, but if you have the proper tools, then you can handle it just like we did with the technology. I have other tools too, I'll show, but, but the shield is the, is the one you can protect yourself when you're skilled. And then when you get really good at it, you can protect others. I love that. And I love the thought of being skilled in stress because it doesn't have to be all bad. I had a client who um, I did a clear path consulting. So she basically was stuck. Um, she had a business where she um, did cookie subscriptions And it had taken off for a while and then it had kind of waned and she was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Should I continue doing this? And um, we just like the first meeting, I just talked to her and I was like, tell me about how you got started. And she told me this story and I was like, "Um, you know, why, why did you do that? And she said, well, my friend told me, I go, no, 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 no. But what was it about what your friend said that made you start? She's like, well, it brings me joy. I said, does it still bring you joy? And she's like, Yes. And I was like, are you sure? And so we gave her homework. She had to bake cookies for no other purpose except for to have fun. And then um, I did a disc, an extended disc analysis on her. And we found out that she is very competitive, which you would not know this by looking at this woman. She is very um, quiet and introverted and kind and everything. But competition is extremely important to her. And I was like, done. You're competing with yourself. You're yes. your own the self. The DISC assessment is something I actually use with my people in, in my organizations. And I think what is important to realize is that you don't have it written on your forehead. <laughs> it's not written on your forehead what you are. And I take, I take the two dimensions. I take, are you active? And rather than passive, I say, are you thoughtful? Meaning right. that you need to feel safe 
And the majority of people are this way. You need to feel safe before you contribute. There got to be perfect circumstances to contribute. And then the other one, are you task-oriented? Is that your primary driver? I've got to get this done. Or are you more about the people and then together you dream up what you're going to do? Yep. The, the task materializes. So I am, I have to confess, I'm an off the chart, like two, three standard deviations. Guess what? Active people. I'm the promoter. I'm the, I'm the one who I relish in the greatness of others. And I try to make that environment safe for people to be themselves. That's really, when you're mentally tough, you're free to be yourself. But you, but you need help. It can't be just you. It only takes how many people to disrupt you, disrupt your life, ruin it sometimes if you let them. It just takes one. And oftentimes, sadly, it's us. Yes, it's true. I also am a I in the disc, which, and mine is the influencer I. Um, so I am a um, very active people person. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Like I always tell people, if I was an emoji, I would be jazz hands. Um, <laughs> that's me. But I'm also, I also need to pull in, especially in times of stress. And that's what I love about the DISC assessment too, is it talks about what are your reactions in a stressful situation? And I do, I need to pull in and I need to um, want to group, you know. Different word. Uh, I will help you with your language. Please. When we say need, it, it, our, our neuroscience is not helping us. If we say want, yes, that's true. Very different perspective. Need is is like judging and, and stopping yourself, and and you know what I'm saying. Yes, negativity pervades our world, and and this point is important with stress because if there's a hint. I don't know if you like cilantro. I'm going to apologize to the people who love cilantro. I love cilantro. Okay, I do not. <laughs> and if it's in my food, there's probably something you don't like either in your food. If it's in my food, that's what I taste. I take It spoils the meal for me. It won't make me sick. Some people it might, but it doesn't make me sick. But it's just something you had to put cilantro in it. <sighs> okay, I'm going to eat it. But, you know, but that's what negativity is like. To our health, It, it our health it completely takes what could be a powerful, helpful, building, strengthening situation and causes you to make it toxic, horrible, destructive, and can even kill you. And, and that, that's the difference. Deb, what would you say is the dominant mindset towards stress? And why is that important for us to talk about and know? We have been talking about some of it. Yes. Dominant thoughts of stress go through any, what's the preponderance of things. If they give you a word like acute or chronic, <laughs> that's no, those are not positive words. The overwhelming majority of view of stress is negative for, with exception of a few things, sports, stress and sports, an athlete knows you will never get better unless you stress yourself, you push your body like I did in the run. The challenge is, is that almost nothing else is. And so what happens in our brains 
is it becomes something negative and a threat. Anything that's a threat in us triggers what you know is, is a thinking that is not productive. It will cause you to make poor choices and we're hardwired to do it from our from the olden days for good reasons. I'm not saying all stress is, is um, our reaction to stress, our instincts. This is, we're talking instincts. I usually say instincts stink because unless you truly are facing that saber-toothed tiger or you're being shot at, you're probably not going to want to use that piece because it'll make a choice that is coming from fear. It's coming from not a good good place and you limit your options. I, I found that when you think about it, so think about the hard wiring, then think about the soft wiring. If society believes that stress is a threat and you should, I was told, you don't like West Point? Because I was talking about how hard it was, <laughs> especially after the second day. This was really, oh my God, this is, you know, what they say, well, quit. Why don't you just quit? I don't want to quit. <laughs> Why would I want to quit? This is, I set a goal for myself. I don't care how hard it is. I'm going to finish it. And then I can do whatever I want in my life. I don't have to stay in the military, but I, I want to finish this. It's something I wanted to do. Somebody even offered, two people offered marriage. It's a way out. Oh you my can, word. <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you, some of those days when you're flat on the ground, you want any out. Horrible decision making, right? So many people do it and they and they regret it. Some of them for the rest of their lives that I, I wished I didn't make the decision in that moment, but I stuck to it. Okay, sometimes things change. But our society encourages it to be looked at as a threat. Why is the music so dun, 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 dun on the news? You know, it's trying to trigger that instinct and that cultural response that stress is negative. What if all stress, even the really bad stuff, all stress is designed to help us realize it's life? This is life. It's not good or bad. If we took off the judgment for any event that happened, and just took a look at what is and where do I want to be? Okay, I got knocked off this one. I'm going to pick just like we got knocked off the computer. <laughs> We're going to get right back on. Mm -hmm. Focus was to be together. Nothing was going to stop us. I am sure given your personality and my yes. personality, <laughs> we're going to get on. We're going to make it. We're going to, we're going to solve it. And it turned out it wasn't either one of our systems, although it looked like it was my system because you couldn't hear me. It turned out the whole platform is is having challenges right now. So those are things that and and the final piece of that, the preponderance, what it what it steals our ability to do is to get better because yeah. there's not a thought about you can get really really good about this. And here's my quote to think about people in your life who are like this: the happiest people in the world, the ones who love life are not the ones who've had the easiest life. When you pull back their lives, you go, I mean, I'm always going, I love to ask happy people, kind of tell me, how'd you get here? What, what happened in your life? And then you hear 
that it's been horrible. And then you ask and you, and you realize that it's a choice. It's a choice that they pick themselves up every single time, no matter how many times they were knocked down and made, made something of it, made it work for them. You can put stress to work for you. You can use stress to your advantage, just like in sports. In fact, I would call life an extreme sport. Yes, it is an extreme sport. It is. Right equipment. You right. want, you wouldn't go out. I ride horses. I thought you liked horses too. I can't remember, but I love horses and riding a horse. That's a thinking, like in terrorism, it's a thinking threat. Horses don't mean to be a thinking threat, right. but they mind of their own for sure. A tornado or something happening, that's just life. But when you're dealing with thinking threats, that puts you to another level of difficulty. Right. And, and people can adapt to it or they can fear it and run away from it. Either way, it's it's life. And so they the predominant, I hope I emphasize it, is stress is a threat. And I would challenge each of you to look at that, to say, wait a minute, look how many things I would not be the person I am today if I hadn't had those challenges in my life. So just yesterday on Facebook, I um, had a memory pop up and it was me 10 years ago, smiling at the camera at my work. I had been working for eight years for the same employer. And, um, and I was uh, like the, the post just like expressed it better than I could, you know, regurgitate, but essentially was that I looked at it and I started to cry because part of me thought I had it so easy and I didn't know because being in a job that has a secure paycheck and you've been there for eight years and you know what, you know, what's expected of you and you can perform at a high level and, um, you know, you know that you're going to please your boss because you know everything because you've been there for so long and it's secure, you know, and so I was jealous of that secureness, um, but I also looked at how tired my eyes were. And I was like really realizing that I was really killing myself in that time period and doing a lot of things, you know, interpersonally, there was a lot of stuff going on. The third thing I was thinking about was how important it was to me 10 years ago to um, climb the ladder and do new things in my life and how bored I was. And I said, I'm getting kind of teary, just like even thinking about it. And then I said, you know, there are days where I'm so jealous of my own, my own naiveness in that moment, like of, you know, like what board really means and what like the challenges ahead were going to be. And I, and, um, and then when I think like, what if I had stayed, like what would have happened? And then I thought, oh my God, like I really actually in a moment, like, was repelled by that thought because I thought what all these people rushed to my mind that I would have not met this person. I would have not met this person. I would have not experienced this thing. I would have not experienced that thing. And then I said, so today I'm misty eyed and tomorrow I slay. That's what I said. Like, so let, I'll let myself feel the feelings of like, wouldn't it be awesome if I felt a hundred percent secure in, because in entrepreneurship, it's, it's a battle every day. It's a, you know, it's a, a risk taking. Let's talk about that moment though. Looking at your old self, there's a lot of people who look back with regret 
you know, or, or envy or something like that. And what you did in that span of a pretty short time is then had some thoughts and then were shocked by them because you were looking at what were the benefits of things that never would have happened. Even our worst experiences in life will trigger a series of events like dominoes that we could never have anticipated. And within those experiences is enormous joy, enormous growth. And while we have to honor the sadness or the, or the feelings that we had, because we, we're at a new level today, but like you said, charging, that'll get me teary-eyed because yes, that is exactly what we open up to people when you're mentally tough. You can you may go back in in life for those periods of time that were you you just want to sing you just I can you can put yourself there you can remember the joy that you have and then you can take that emotion and say I want that again not that I want to go back to that but I want that feeling because some people they're not equipped to give a goal I don't a lot of people don't have goals but they know how they love to feel yeah and if at least start there, then you can move forward and the things like synchronicity, they'll happen. Serendipity, it'll Mm -hmm. it'll happen. Again, I go back to our potential. We are not even close to tapping our potential, just like I did. Um, And then at the end, remind me about the run because of where things are today. We cannot envision the future that awaits us by using the thinking we have today, but we can open ourselves to the possibilities and the feelings we're going to have. Like the webinar I did on Saturday. I mean, oh my gosh, here were people in war-torn areas listening to what I had to say. And I was making, I was giving them hope. We need to keep each other with hope. The faith and the hope we know the power of the secret, all of those that played on, you have to be able to envision what's possible or how you want to feel. And if you can do that more clearly than your present situation, you can pull yourself out of whatever difficulties you have and, and then go, oh, I had to be knocked down because I didn't realize this. If I realize this, boom, now I can go this way. And if we go this way, I'm going to, why do businesses that fail miserably, their leaders, rather than called losers, which some might say, they're the ones that take that lesson and they move on. Sadly, only the statistics right now, only 10% can take advantage of adversity. To me, that means they're not skilled in, in handling adversity. And they can be, we all can be. And so that's what we get to talk about. I love that. And I think that was the message that the 10 years ago me was telling me was, you know, I was in, we could say crisis. There was a lot of things going on with, at the same time that there were some really amazing things, you know, in terms of the stability, but I felt promise. I felt like there was opportunity and possibility for me. And I think that was the message that I needed to take out of that was to like recognize how far I'd come, recognize um, the adventures that this risk that I've taken has given me, but also say, okay, Raya, what's, 
what's possible next? Like, don't get, um, you know, because I can get in my own head and I can get um, afraid of what is unknown and, um, and the stress of alongside that. And, um, and just allowing myself to say like, this is good stress. This is like possibility. This is openness to what can blow my mind. Like I'm not even prepared for the awesome that's about to come for me. And, um, if you shut yourself off to that, because you're afraid you miss out on the opportunity. Everything from my family, everything happens for a reason and it happens for the best. But unless you think that, you'll never see that. You'll get stuck in what's happening now. And so you pulled yourself out of it and you you kind of were the third person looking down, you know, at the whole experience and saying it. And that's something that we can do from time to time because it refreshes our, oh, oh yeah, I learned all that. You could be encouraged or you can be encouraged. You can be distressed or you can be thinking and excited about the possibilities. And that's what we're talking about today. What you can do. It takes mental toughness. It takes skills. It takes knowing I've got the shield up. So as Kelly Clarkson would say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yes. (laughs) And I've been in situations and I think you have too. I mean, there's times you could have died and, and walking across the street that can happen. Mm -hmm. Driving down the road that can happen. We all can face traumatic events. It's what we do with them. They say 70% of the people have faced traumatic events. I'd say now with COVID, probably much higher, probably mm-hmm. 90 or perhaps everybody. It's just how they dealt with it. But that's what str- would you say in the arena of leadership and managers? Um, what do you see as the number one problem that undermines the best intentions for leaders? Because a lot of us as leaders want the best for our team and our company. But what are some of the things that we're doing that are undermining those good intentions? The number one thing. We've been, we've been really highlighting it, but I, I want you to wrap your head around this. If I told you this 10 years ago, poor stress skills. It's pretty simple. I like, as an engineer, I want to break out. What's that foundation? I have seen what's, you can be the nicest person. <laughs> and if you can't handle the stress of going into a new job, a new leadership position, It took me in one job. Imagine this. Six months later, I found out they got so tired of having commanders turn over that they met. All the leaders met and said, we're going to make her do this and this and this and this. Could you imagine walking into a new job and I'm walking in? Hey, I'm so excited to be here. I want to let's just do it because I've had such great success elsewhere. But every time something new happens, you're starting over. And if they had really good stress skills, that would never, we would have even not even skipped a beat. We would have just moved right together, be a team, work together. Because I know they say forming, norming, storming, performing. Yes, you'll have a little bit of that. But when you share values and you have good stress skills, that is mental toughness, you you can accomplish anything, no matter what it looks like in the moment that's awful, you can accomplish, you can pull yourself out of and every single time I've seen it better off than we ever would have done before those things happen. 
Talk to me about some of the qualities of mental toughness or how do you achieve um, and get there where you can, and, you know, maybe just pull out a couple things that people can take, you know, like take in and and maybe start working on, but how do you um, explain and how do you help people achieve like, for example, the shield, you know, like how, how can someone, um, you know, bring on that shield for themselves? Let's talk about that. Okay. So the shield, just know the shield. For example, if someone's yelling at me, I have, I have hundreds of tools. Okay. So, but these are the representative ones. The shield is the one to protect you from that toxic energy. Almost all of it is about the negative energy and the way that you can get derailed from whatever you're trying to do. So I want to help somebody and they're distressed. I'm an empath. Their energy affects me. Somebody taught me this. I put my hand over my heart when I'm with them. And the second technique, which is really powerful, think of yourself like a ninja warrior. You turn to the side to listen and let that energy go by you Instead of what I explained earlier, is I stand there and take it. <laughs> I'm the leader, I should take it. And then I would just just you know go in destructive mode afterwards, not so fast, right? So that's one example. I have another one that I, I want you to, to see. It's the helmet. Love it. The helmet. Anybody remember Athena, <laughs> the goddess of war? She was also the goddess of wisdom. Mm. I look at the helmet. I'd love to put this on. I look at the helmet. That is in order to protect your wisdom. And we're going to do the three warning signs that you're not protecting your wisdom. But the idea is she didn't do wanton destruction. She loved Hercules, Jason with the Argonauts. I mean, this is many thousands of years ago. But it was all about using it, understanding you had to be able, prepared to fight. But just like Sun Tzu, the uh, warrior general would say, is, is that the greatest victory is that which requires no battle. I think Athena would have said that. Probably. Um, because you, you also have to weigh the cost if you decide to. And I can tell you, I have never found a time when I wanted to battle somebody I could ever recover in the time that I had all the damage all the what we call the battlefield damage that's happened um, it's all those unintended things that happen but wisdom is what you did in stopping yourself when your mind started racing over there to negative, negative, negative. I, you know, I don't measure up. I, I love that time, bad things. And then you quickly, boom, you accessed your wisdom again because you said, what happened to me? I would never have met these people. That's the wisdom that that insight, rather than going to the emotion, you're talking now, oh, that, that would never have happened in my life. I wouldn't have been able to achieve all that I have today. So that's another one. And then the third one is, the sword. And you want, we want to talk about the sword? We can, we can wait later for that. But no, sword, let's go for it. Let's do the sword. There are times in our lives that people will say your name and attack you directly. But it's really not about you, is it? Because yeah. what people attack you? And the sword is really about 
when it's coming at you to be able to deflect it so it doesn't land on you. You need more than the shield. That's why you have the sword, because people will come at you. And, and this, and symbolically, is to, to deflect it so it doesn't land on you. And then in those rare situations, they keep acting, acting badly, <laughs> trying to hurt other, other people. Sometimes you have to pin them down. You have to, you've seen in those movies where they pin them down. I'm not saying skewer. Never, never about skewering somebody. It's You're about- not pro skewering on the Client Experience Revolution podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting people's attention. Yes. And, and there, there's a powerful tool, which we'll, we'll talk about the, at the end, a powerful tool that can do all of these functions and that you already are, are have an insight to that. But I think I we that. need to talk about the warning signs. We were going to yes, know. Yes, let's do that. Let's talk about what warning signs we should look for that contribute to that problem. It make it, they make it so hard for leaders, owners, um, employees, family members, loved ones, everyone. These are the warning signs that I want the neon lights to go on. When you see these happening... This is when you know that that poor skills are happening. It's whenever, I'm going to really load this on because this is going to change the thinking that you have. Imagine you look at someone in distress. If they want to fight and they're yelling, if they're thinking of, or you are thinking, running away, you don't ever want to talk to this person again. Even though they're the expert on something, you don't want to talk to them again because they're they're disagreeable. Or like most employees, more than 50% of employees are, are disengaged. They come to work, they do the bare minimum, they go home, they just want a paycheck, they do enough so they don't get fired, and the employer does enough, they don't quit. Okay, what are those? Everyone's heard it, survival mode thinking. Survival mode thinking has just taken all the possibilities in your life and narrowed it down to these three primary ones. Do you like dessert? I love dessert. (laughs) Can't you tell? (laughs) Dessert. So I love pie. I just made a mincemeat pie. That's another favorite of mine. Pies. I love pie. Cherry pie is my absolute favorite. So imagine... You know the stores where you got 50 pies, you can come in and they're beautifully decorated and your mouth is just, you're just drooling watching them. What happens when we go to survival mode thinking, instead of all those options, you've got three. They look pretty average, you know, they don't, they don't look bad, but they don't look like anything to write home about. I mean, you'd kind of look at it and you'd see a little brown in the middle maybe and you go, eh, that doesn't look very good. Crust is probably Okay. The challenge is, is with all those three options, everyone will make you sick. It's like taking that pie and eating it and making you sick. You may say, well, that's the only pie there. Well, maybe, (laughs) but I'm not eating it. (laughs) Not if I can help it. Sometimes I get pushed into eating it. You know, like you get really upset, but then as quickly as possible, it's like, push it away. I'm not going to do that. Those are the warning signs. When your employees are spending time doing that, It takes away from anything you want to accomplish. It takes away any great idea you have, any great intention you have. 
It's just stealing it. It's absolutely stealing it. So those are the things that if you can become hypersensitive of that, then you'll say, okay, now that I see it, where the skill comes in and the tools is what do I do now? And people have asked that, what do I do now? And yeah, so I, what, what can leaders do to achieve greater success, you know, despite the stress that they feel themselves or what their teams are facing, how can they turn that around? Give me an example. Give me, just give me an example. Um, like low company morale, like you, you can like inner bickering or gossip or, you know, or they feel gossip about the company or about the leader specifically, you know, the, so there's just a dysfunction in the team. Okay. That, that is a pervasive environment in a team. And the way you have to work at it is actually one at a time in every interaction you have. My meetings were exciting. And the reason my meetings were exciting, I'll give you two examples. In one case, in a meeting, if someone would go saying something negative, I have a word, one is called cockroach attacks, which were rare, but that's when people are yelling. Okay, it, to me, it's like cockroaches coming out. If you envision that, it's, it's what do you know about cockroaches? Once they're out, they live forever. They scurry around, they multiply, and then they come back and leave. I had one flying the other day. I live in Hawaii, so one was flying the other day. You know, it's icky. It probably won't kill you, but it, it, you have to clean it up. I mean, every time someone spews that toxic amount out of their mouth. So if you're not doing anything, you're just making it harder for yourself. But the worst one is what I call the termite. The termite invasion is where those little slides, it's, it's like, Raya, that's a stupid idea. Why'd you say that? Mm -hmm. That's never going to work. I'm not yelling at you. I'm trying to be helpful. <laughs> it's always disguised. Right. As, I'm just giving you my, but it's, it's wrapped up in, in a turd. <laughs> you know? Yes. I have, I have a little example of that. And this, I can't believe this is legitimately was in writing, but my sister, when she was very young, was at a company and in her um, annual report, it said, you're a little bit of a bitch. Like that was in her, in her like yearly review. I'm like, I, I can't believe somebody put that in writing, but like, yeah, like you're, you're a little bit of a bitch. Maybe you should work on that. We are enabled. Hardwired, softwired, and trained, not and not told that we can get better at this. So the idea in a meeting, for example, if if we're having a meeting, we would this example what I did. Someone would say that kind of comment, maybe not that. They would just say, well, "That's just you know, why did you say that?" They jump right. There's people who are the active people on the disc. They'll jump right in, and the ones who are on the thoughtful side, the passive side, what they call it. Um, they'll be sitting back and saying, I'm not going to contribute. That person keeps jumping on everybody who does it. And so when that comment would come out of that person, I would stop the meeting. I literally would stop the meeting because it's that important. And I would say, not in a mean way, because you remember, you can't go negative. I'd say, Raya, you just said this. And I would repeat what they said. I said, I have some ideas about that. Would anyone else like to jump in on how they thought about that? And they go, whoa, why did you say that was, you know, and they, and we'd be laughing by the end of it. Whereas if you let it stay in the room, 
it will just like the termite, it'll, it'll undermine the whole foundation of your organization. You won't know when, but it will, because every little comment like that is they're willingly taking it down. But I would say they don't know that they're taking it down. And I know when I explain it to them in that kind of terms, it stops. That kind of stuff just stops. But you have to lay those ground rules because if you, and you have to adhere to them. Some people might say, oh, it's just, it's going to, it's not a big problem. I disagree. Anytime you allow that to happen, termite invasion, boom, you're just, you're just allowing that to eat away at whatever you're trying to build. And people in their head, they're saying, well, I want to build it. And then they say a nasty comment. They don't connect the dots. And that is hardwiring. So I hope that one helps. The other one is I had two people who hated each other, been working six feet from each other. And um, all I can say is everyone bet against me that I was going to change it because I've been doing it 12 years. And I, I, one of the things I said, imagine what that will show. Because if I let it happen, then everything I stand for is out the window. It's like, I can't even clean up my own house. Why, why can I tell you anything about what to do? I had to, I had to do it by action. Leaders have to show it by action and, and model it and encourage it and nurture it. And in, in that case, I brought in some very quality people and I gave a timeline. And what do you think happened? I'm pretty sure that you turned it around. They figured it out. I found the thing that they feared more. <laughs> I didn't put the fear in them, but I just told them the consequences and said, here's my standard. I'm going to give you the support for this period of time. Right. And up until the end, they were fighting, 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 because they were in such well-worn patterns. They'd hated each other for so long. Right. I won't say that they loved each other after that, but we went from tears and bickering and all of that to working well together. Right, to collaboration. And then new team members come in and they see that and they reinforce the good. The problem right. was, is that that was just the tip of the iceberg. Those two were just the tip of the iceberg and it was dramatic. It was so much more embedded and you have to go as deep as you have to go. That's why I say in, in mental toughness, you're showed the 10% that's above the water like in, a, in an iceberg. But it's the 90% that you can actually discover. But until you do, it will never work well. Yes. Yeah. I, it's so profound. And it's so um, timely for me in terms of like where my mind has been at in this new stage of my business. And, um, and just you know, the, just in the framing of being the leader that I have a team of four now. Um, and that has varied because I've had like different contractors and whatnot that have been under the umbrella. And, um, and so, you know, we are, we are five different people with five mm -hmm. different perspectives. We're in different countries because the majority of my team is in the Philippines and so we're dealing with um, different personalities, different locations, different styles of communication, and we're largely communicating in writing. Um, and I'm more of a verbal type person. And so you, you know, you have misunderstandings or um, 
or you have, it's usually me because I'm extra sensitive. Um, but you know, like just the way things come across or whatnot, and you still have to collaborate, work together, produce something amazing. And there's genuine, um, you know, we only feel strongly because we care about what's happening. And that's yes, right there. Stop right yeah. there. People who feel what you just said is another profound insight. The people who are agitated and upset are not because they don't care. They care deeply and getting to the heart of why they care and how, why they think that way is absolutely where you have to start. You have to understand you. I've had, I've had an interviewer trying to skewer me, actually run me through. There's a, there's a Bob Newhart show where, where the, the interviewer just attacks him. That's what happened to me. And you just say, well, you seem to know a lot about that subject. Would you mind sharing why you do? And then they blew up. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't about me. They have passionate, caring. They care. That's, right. like, that's like the actively disengaged. In our organizations, they estimate one to two people out of 10 are what we call actively disengaged. They will do everything they can from a caring perspective that if a new employee comes in, for example, and they start doing running circles around everybody else, that actively disengaged person is the one that'll walk over and said, why are you trying to make us look bad? And then that new person is like, just took that pin into that bubble and boop, popped it. And they may or may not ever stay. Right. Why would they stay if they are a high achiever? Um, but yeah. if you get the actively disengaged, engaged, because it's, they have the easier path, actually. Then the disengaged. It's so funny. But anyway, that's another, that's for another day. But, but your situation, think about jazz. I don't know if you know jazz musicians, but they're all very independent. Um, they, you, classical ones are very defined and predictable, whereas jazz are going with the flow. Mm -hmm. I'm more for the flow. We, we need the classical ones too. But jazz musicians, imagine your team of five or so. And they all play an instrument. I listened to one one time in this in this curriculum I was in, and they played one song that they'd rehearsed. Then they played a song that they had music sheet music for, and that they never rehearsed. And then they just did a freelance jam, jam do a music jam. And, and guess which one was the best? The jam. Exactly, but they follow rules of behavior. They don't step on people. They don't, they don't try to put other people down. They, they try to let them shine and say, I'm backing off so you can play and shine, right? What if we did that in all our organizations? How much better would we be if we understood it? Yes, different is good. This is why uh, diversity in all shapes and forms, not just gender, not just race, it's background, it's thinking, it's the disc, it's the, you know, it's all these things multi-dimension and when you're in harmony with someone i will tell you it largely is because it centers around your values the disc does it but it doesn't link it as lovely as it could be to behavioral styles but the values that we share you could be all other kinds of things and very very different and yet you will come together and work well together because you have the same focus in that yes i love that and I think that to me is like the perfect um, visual to 
wrap the discussion because I want to leave it in that, you know, in that really poignant, beautiful visual of, you know, people who are going through life experiences in their own way with their own stresses, really, um, you know, in harmonizing with each other in allowing each other to shine instead of playing on over the top of each other. And also, I want to just say that for those of you who are visually, for those of you, excuse me, that are listening and not watching the video, um, I want you to repeat the motions that you do to shield yourself um, against a, a verbal attack or something negative that might otherwise really make you feel defensive or sensitive, because that's something that um, I'm going to take out of this conversation and really apply immediately. But if you could describe again what you do in that situation, um, because that's uh, was like a huge um, aha moment for me. I'm so glad. Yeah, I think you you pause. But if you're really skilled in your helmet and your and your sword, when people are attacking you, you would you would remind them, <laughs> remind them, you know what, I have stopped conversations, like I said, in meetings, but also with other people I said, even with my brother, I said, you're shouting at me, I can have a conversation, but I'm just telling you I'm too distracted by the shouting. I, I know you care about this greatly. Can you just bring your volume down and put a little melody in there? <laughs> <laughs> and then we can have a conversation because I'm not arguing that you don't feel passionate and this isn't important. I just can't receive it right now. And that's, yes. and, and believe it or not, he called right back and he completely changed it. People can change for their own reason. If he wants me to hear him, then I have to hear it a particular way. It's it. People would say I'm overly sensitive. no. I will tell you what's happening already. You just haven't paid attention. And it really isn't about you. When people are in that place, it's about them. It's about how they're reacting. And you can give their love, your unconditional love to say, as we as human beings are all in this together. And until we figure that out, how to work together well, we will never see improvement for the challenges we face. But as soon as we do, we're going to see, I believe, with the children, we, we're going to see huge changes in the direction we need if we're not teaching them all the things that I said were warning signs, saying right. is the best way to get it done. Forget about the other thing, fighting. Mahatma Gandhi didn't do that. Mother Teresa didn't do that. You know, they tackled some of the world's toughest challenges. They didn't have to attack anybody. They didn't have yeah. to discourage people. They didn't have to just say, I'm not going to deal with that. We have we must look at our future in that way. And Absolutely. when we do, it's it's that music magic. You can see a homeless person playing music, that gift. And when you play with the best of people and bring out the allow them to be the best, it just ma it makes you want to cry with joy. Yes, absolutely. And that's what this is really about. This is about having a life filled with joy and fun you know, not staying in the, um, you know, the bad response, but being equipped to live in joy, regardless of what life throws at us. And so I, I want you that. to think back when we started this podcast. <laughs> yes. You know, like, yes, we, we are here. We, you know, we start off, it was a little bumpy, life's bumpy. Yep. And, and yet here we are. 
And hopefully your audience will take at least one thing away as well. What would that one thing be if you wanted them to take away one thing? What would you want them to really uh, hone in on from our conversation? Because we've talked about so many amazing things, but what would you want them to um, really take away? Get mentally tough. The thing you have to do first, though, is up armor. (laughs) You have to get the tools and things. You cannot just go out there and slay it. You will be you know, knock down, you have got to up armor first. And that's getting better at the skills that have to go with mental toughness. And just so the audience knows, we are going to be linking um, many tools that Deb has made available for the audience, um, free tools and educational pieces on mental toughness, on uh, dealing with extreme stress. So please do hit the show notes and um, grab those tools um, they're here available as a gift to you. Um, and we want to make sure that you have the equipment, the tools to be able to achieve this joy that is available to you. So Deb, what would you say out of all the things in your life and your experience, what was the most impactful advice that you've ever been given? I, I have to frame it, I think, with two pieces. Mm-hmm. NCO said, Um, don't take any wooden nickels. And I was like, what? What does that mean? And I finally got it. If you think about the iceberg, it's somebody who's trying to show you something that is what is seen on the top, but it's not the whole picture. It it looks kind of like what you want, but you have to go past the obvious. That's that's one piece. And then the, the second one is a gentleman that was James Scott, someone who became like a number two dad to me. And the other one is a gentleman named Doug Krug, who wrote the book Enlightened Leadership. When we have language to describe what we're already doing, how powerful is that? And he, Enlightened Leaders, which as I want, I love enlightened men. I'm mentally tough women, but I also love enlightened men. We can't do anything without doing it together. But enlightened men would say, what is our job as leaders? Each of us are leaders. Oh, by the way, we show leadership to someone. That advice is to say, what is our role? Our number one role in in this world today is to be able to bring out everyone's best. And, And especially our own. And then when things get tough, make sure you're bringing out your best or getting back to your best as fast as possible. So good. So good. Deb, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence today. It has been my pleasure. I have learned a lot. I myself will be taking advantage of the free tools um, because I just feel like the message that you're bringing is so important um, and so timely for all of us in this time of the pandemic and as things are transitioning quote unquote, out of the pandemic, Um, you know, as we learn how to be in our new normal and, um, and there's, that has its own stress in, in and of itself. Um, But I think the best part about this was we took a topic that can be very heavy and we brought it to a place of joy and hope and promise. And, um, and I definitely feel that way. I feel like, um, 
I'm going to flex a little bit today. I don't know. I just feel like I, like I got this, you know what I mean? So I, I love it. I hope that our listeners also feel that way. And just thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for all our time together today. And I look forward to what's next. Absolutely. Well, this has been another episode of the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I am your host, Raya Gonzalez, and we will see you next time. You know what I love? It means so much to me that you took the time to listen to this episode. If you did enjoy this episode or any of our other episodes, and you'd like to help support the Client Experience Revolution podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on your social media or even leave a rating and review. And if you want to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at link.consulting. That's L-I-N-Q dot consulting. On Twitter at Link Consulting. And even better, find us on YouTube. The channel is Raya Gonzalez. And you can see all of our podcast episodes in video format if you're just curious to see what our guests look like. We appreciate you so much. And that's why we're excited to see you next time.